0: Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick.
1: Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. During this edition, a message from Dr. Rob Reno on the church, the family, and the kingdom of God. Dr. Reno is the author of several books and a conference speaker. He and his wife, Amy, lead Visionary Family Ministries. Their mission is to build the church through a global reformation of family discipleship. Here are Dr. Reno's remarks from the Illinois Family Institute's 2022 Worldview Conference at the Village Church of Barrington.
2: The church today is doing more than ever to reach kids for Christ. We have paid staff. Did you know a hundred years ago there was none of this stuff? There were no full-time paid children's workers, youth workers. Here's my point. we Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Youth for Christ. I love all of those things, by the way. Here's my point. The church is rocking it when it comes to investment in the next generation more than ever. This isn't fundamentally a crisis of the church, although it's connected. It's fundamentally a crisis of the home. It's fundamentally a crisis of the family. I'm going to do a power walk through the Bible to show you how God, over and over again in the Scriptures, created the family to partner with the church to build His kingdom and build and advance the faith through the generations. The message here, I think, um, the church, the family, and the kingdom of God, other titles for this, your family and God's plan for the world. This is how God can use your messed up family, my messed up family, uh, to make a difference uh, in the world for Christ. I've got a ton of scriptures I'm going to do in the next 30 minutes. So they'll be all here for you at visionaryfam.com worldview, visionaryfam.com worldview. So I want this message to be personal, not academic. In the sense of, are you concerned about the matters we're discussing today? Your response for the Lord begins in your house. So here we go. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Because I'm going to show you how over and over again in Scripture, which is sufficient for every matter in faith and practice, I'm going to show you how God connects what happens in the home with His plan for the world. So here we go. Genesis chapter 1. God makes a man, God makes a woman. Then God speaks to the first couple He creates. Anybody know the very first words of God to the first couple? Oh, okay, yeah, there we go. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. One of the questions that I ask pastors in our consulting ministry is, when was the last time you preached on God's first words? <laughs> I've had some pastors say, whoa, I don't know if I've ever preached on that. And I give a little pushback on that. I say, well, that's, a, that's kind of curious. You, you would think that the first words would be pretty important. God's first words the first couple. In fact, they're extremely important. You know what God tells Adam and Eve in this moment? He tells them what he, God, is going to do for the rest of human history. You know what God is doing right now? He's filling the earth with his people, with his word, with his worship, with his glory. But how's the earth going to get filled with people? He only made two. He made male. He made female. He made marriage. He made family. He made babies. One generation is going to raise another generation, is going to raise another generation, and we're going to spread out. And we're going to fill the earth with the worship and word of God. But you get forward in the Scripture to the Noah account. The earth is not filled with worship. It's filled with what? It's filled with sin and wickedness. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The most wicked time of human history, never to be repeated again. God and his sovereignty does not begin again with a righteous man, Noah, He begins again with a righteous family. Noah, his wife, three sons, three wives. God gives Noah and his sons a family chore, a family assignment to build an ark which is going to take them a little less than 100 years. You try a family chore for an afternoon. Let me know how it goes for you. You got to remember, these aren't Bible people. They're people people. Okay, they're in the Bible. I get that. But they're just as people-y as you. They're just as this is a dad with his three boys, and God gives them this task. Now, uh, Je- Noah and his family step off the ark in Genesis 9-1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. You think God wants something? He wants the earth filled with His people. Now, our eldest son, when he was born, we, uh, we, we designed his nursery with uh, the Noah's Ark theme. When our seventh child was born, we found a closet for him and put his crib in there. But the, the, first, the first kid, there's just bright extra stuff you get. So, we're, you know, baby's on the way, so I'm painting the nursery. We got the clouds. We got the rainbow. We got the scripture. We got the, the, the animals and the ark. And of course, we take the Bible very seriously, you know, in our family. So, down around the bottom, we had the land okay, and the the deluge of water and the floating bodies, just bodies painted on the wall (laughs) all around. And we told our infant son, we say, we've designed this room about the wrath of God against sin, where he wipes everybody out, and we want that to comfort you while you sleep. (laughs) Now, we didn't actually go that far, but I'm, I'm in there painting it, and it dawns on me, this is an odd Bible history to put in the baby's room, all of our children's ministry rooms, right? Not a happy story, friend, right? The wrath of God wipes everybody out. Come on, kids. (laughs) All right, the animals are cute. That part's good. All right, let's talk about Abraham. 4,000 years ago, God came to a man named Abraham, and He said, I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing to the nations. Abraham, you're going to have a global impact. Now, 4,000 years ago, how can you possibly even conceive of such a thing? Today. Get on an airplane, fly around, share the good news of Jesus, put something on the internet, no problem. But how do you conceive of that 4,000 years ago? Well, God explained it to Abraham this way, Genesis 18, 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. All the nations on earth will be blessed through him. That's his macro mission, his global assignment. But how can a man 4,000 years ago participate in that? Well, I've chosen him so that he'll direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he's promised him. Abraham, I am gonna fill the earth with my people. If you wanna be a part of the mission, you lead your family. You make it the number one mission of your life to help the future generations of your family receive the faith. Book of Exodus, chapter 20, 10 commandments. First four commandments are vertical in that they have to do with the proper worship of God. The last six commandments are horizontal and that they have to do proper relationships with people. That makes the fifth commandment the first commandment for human relationships. Got it? Yes. Exodus twenty twelve. 12, what's the fifth commandment? Shout it out. If you're wrong, I'll tell you in front of everybody. It's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, yeah, honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. It, it's an amazing order that God put these in. Remember, this is the portion of Scripture that God skipped the human author, like he wrote it into the rock, right? Everything else is through the human author. I don't think it's good to like, well, if I were God, but the, you're thinking about, okay, here's how to worship me. No other gods before me, right? Well, now I'm going to give instructions to the folks. I'm thinking, okay, don't murder anybody. That's, we're going to give you more advanced skills later. Let's start there. <laughs> but no, he says the first one is honor your father and your mother. Why is that? I think part of it is because this is the first moral decision a human being faces in their life. You know, I've got an eight-year-old boy. Rush. Rush. Do not commit adultery. I just don't think the little guy needs to be too worried about that one right now. Right? Not that it's not a commandment and all, but uh, I don't know if he's dealing with that. How about honor your mother? You think he's dealing with that? Honor your father. Absolutely. First moral command a human being faces in their life. I also have a confession time. For a lot of years, I really didn't understand the second part of the verse. Uh, The apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 says this is the first commandment with a promise. And at first reading, it kind of felt to me like what God was saying, that if a young person would honor their parents, then they would live a long time. But could I stand up in front of There's a lot of boys and girls and teenagers here. Can I say to all of them, if you honor your parents, God says you'll live 70, 80, 90 years? That doesn't sound quite right, does it? I mean, a child who would die of sickness or an accident. In the church, we never say, well, didn't honor their parents then, you know? So, so, what does that mean? I didn't quite understand it, so I would always fuzzy it up. I'm teaching teenagers. I say, honor your father and your mother. And if you do, God promises to bless you. Now that's not what it says, but I don't know what that means. So, I got to make it nice. You understand? It's something good. A pastor friend helped me unlock it. He called it the key to unlocking the fifth commandment promise. And he said the key to unlocking the fifth commandment promise is to understand the Ten Commandments are not just given to individual people, but they're given to the faith community. In some of the preamble and postamble of the Ten Commandments, the YOUs are not singular YOUs, they're plural YOUs. So what is the promise of the Fifth Commandment? Especially in light of all the scriptures I'm going to share with you today, it's this that if moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas will follow God, and their children and grandchildren will honor their parents in the most important way of all, which is by receiving the faith. Then the people of God, the faith community, the church of Jesus Christ in New Testament terms, will live long in the land. Guaranteed. Lock tight promise from God. What could stop your local church if, by the grace of God, you won your kids and grandkids to Jesus? Answer nothing. And friends, Satan and the demons totally understand this, which is why they put so much of their firepower against the family. Why they put so much of their firepower against the heart connection between parents and their children. I was preaching in Russia, in Moscow 10 years ago with my family, and one of the pastors there told us about the communist takeover of Russia in the early 20th century and talked about the spiritual, because it was an atheistic communist regime, as if there's another kind of communist regime, and the decisions that the the communists were making. Interesting, Russia, communist Soviet Union, was the first nation in the history of the world to pass no-fault divorce. You could divorce your spouse, didn't need a reason anymore, just I'm done. And they wrote it down. They say, we have to get rid of the family to establish the state the next thing they did, uh, when it came to churches, you would think, well, they just blew up the churches or made churches illegal. Well, not, not at first. The first law they passed was that you couldn't bring your children to church. You see, you crazy old religious kooky people, okay, you can keep going to wherever you go and sing your songs and whatever. You'll be dead soon, and your children will be communists. Your children will be atheists. You see, they had a multi-generational vision It's an evil one. But I can assure you Satan's got a multi-generational vision. And what God's doing right now all over the world, and frankly I think in a lot of places of Christianity, especially in the West in the 20th century, we lost our multi-generational vision, especially as it connects to the home. But I see the Holy Spirit awakening it all over the world.
1: Dr. Rob Reno on The Church, The Family, and The Kingdom of God. More from Dr. Reno after a brief time out.
0: Even in the midst of brutality, the war in Ukraine is revealing stories of courage, beauty, and human decency. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone. Street. This is The Point. The Polish city of Poshimush is situated on Ukraine's western border. As the BBC reports, over 4 million Ukrainians, 10% of the population, have fled their country since the beginning of the war. Poland has received more than half of them. What makes their kindness even more incredible and significant is that during World War II, Ukrainian nationalist groups killed over 100,000 Poles. This led to Polish reprisals and an ongoing cycle of violence. These ethnic tensions remained until quite recently, in fact. But now, the border town has been transformed into a refugee hub. Locals giving their own time and resources to house and help resettle those fleeing from the war. As one veterinarian put it, we have to help. It is our destiny. And it's also a beautiful reminder for the rest of us. There's something deeper than borders, political gridlock, even war. It's the image of God all humans share. And when we see it clearly in our neighbor, we will choose to act. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point.
1: Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During this edition, we're featuring a message from Dr. Rob Reno entitled, The Church, the Family, and the Kingdom of God. Dr. Reno's remarks were recorded during the IFI 2022 Worldview Conference at the Village Church of Barrington. Dr. Reno is an author and he and his wife, Amy, lead visionary family ministries, visionaryfam.com.
2: Let me talk to you about Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a big deal verse in the Bible, and that's not just because I'm saying it's a big deal verse. Jesus says it's a big deal verse. Matthew 22, a religious leader comes up to Jesus, says, what's the most important commandment? Jesus says Deuteronomy 6.5. He doesn't say Deuteronomy 6.5. He just quotes it. If you've been around church, you're familiar with it. We call it the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. I grew up in church. I had a Christian mother and an atheist father. My mom led me and my brother to the Lord when we were little. When my parents got married, neither one of them were Christians. and My mom came to Christ when I was a baby, when I was three months old. She was the first Christian in our family tree. So, this verse was familiar passage to me. If you've been around church, you've probably heard it before. But I never kept reading. I would always just stop there. Actually, I just stop after verse 5, because here you got the two foundations of the Christian life, a love for God and a love for His Word. But the next verse is now, after this, which Jesus says is the first and the greatest commandment, now God speaks to parents. He speaks to grandparents and He speaks to the home. Look at what He says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Parents, grandparents, teach them diligently to your children. In other words, hey, you want to love me and you got little ones? Mission number one, help them love me. You want my word in your heart? You got little ones? Help them have my word in their heart. And at this point, we're we're probably all in. Raise your hand for me if it is the desire of your heart to love God. You fall short every day, but you really want to love him. All right. Raise your hand if you want to see the kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews love God. Right. All right, Lord, we're all in. Rock on. We want to love you. Thank you for grace and mercy through Jesus. We want our kids to love you. In fact, we want them to love you more than we love you. We want there to be generational progress. But now, a good question for God would be, "What? Yeah, how do I do it?" I mean, it would be nice sometimes. Again, not trying to be sacrilegious. If God would sometimes take some things in His Word, love, the Lord God, Thy heart, teach them to their children, like bring it down to like some concrete, practical. I'm not looking for magic formulas. I'm not looking for do one, two, three, and all your kids will follow Jesus. I know there's no formulas, but raise your hand if it would be nice if God would give you just something concrete that you could do. All right. Okay. That's what we're after. God is glad you asked the question because that's the next verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Mission number one, teach them diligently to your children. Okay, God, what could I do? A messed up guy like me What could I do to possibly help my kids follow you? God says, I'm glad you asked. Here's what you do. Talk about my word. That's the them, my commandments. Where? When you sit at home. Friends, look at this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Okay, God, I want to love you. Where do I start? Open my book at home with your family. Talk about me at home with your family. Down through the centuries, this has been called family worship family devotions, family altar, family time, call it whatever you want, but it's the few moments of the day where a family gets together for some moments of prayer and a spiritual meal of God's book. Back in Scotland in 1640, they used to teach our visionary parenting curriculum. They didn't call it visionary parenting. They called it directions for family worship, how to pray and read the Bible at home without killing each other. They're going to equip the folks with with how to do this. In fact, you know, one of the critical tasks of the church, Ephesians 4.13, equip the saints for works of ministry. Is being a spouse a ministry? Yes, praise the Lord. (laughs) Is being a parent or a grandparent a gospel ministry? Friends, in order to have a disciple-making New Testament church, you have to have a marriage-equipping ministry. You have to have a parent-equipping ministry because that's where your ministry for God starts in your house. So, a lot of what churches are waking up to is this need for family worship in the home. But okay, so let me read to you. I I, want to read to you what they wrote from their um, visionary parenting class in Scotland in 1640, because it's an example of how Christians talked about family worship differently than we talk about it today. Here we go. The assembly requires and appoints ministers to make diligent search and inquiry, whether there be among them a family or families which neglect the duty of family worship. Translation, pastors from your church are going to visit your house every now and then just to make sure you're praying and reading the Bible with the kids and grandkids. How would you like that knock at the door? If such a family is found not praying and reading the Bible with the kids, the head of the family is to be admonished privately to amend his fault. You got to be praying and reading the Bible with the kids. Oh yes, Pastor, I'll start right away. In case of his continuing therein, still not praying and reading the Bible with the kids, he is to be gravely and sadly reproved by the session. You're going to meet with the elders and the deacons of the church. You've got to be praying and reading the Bible with your children in the home. Oh, yes, session. I'm starting right away. After which reproof, if he's still found to neglect family worship, let him be for his obstinacy in such an offense suspended and debarred from the Lord's Supper until he amend. You can't take communion this week. You're under the discipline of the church. Now we say, whoa, 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 time out. (laughs) We don't do church discipline for anything. And they're doing church discipline for this. This all sounds very legalistic to me. (laughs) Sermon, quick. Legalism means two things. One, thinking that you're winning points with God by doing good things, or adding human rules and regulations on top of the Bible and judging yourself and other people by your human rules. That's legalism. Obeying the Bible's just Christian. (laughs) Nothing legalistic about obeying God's Word. Okay. Okay. What am I talking about? All right, you can see how, how strongly they taught and trained and required family worship of the Christian families. Let me explain to you why. See, these churches, these, these uh, Reformation churches, they're, they're committed to the global advance of the gospel. They believe that the gospel began with the souls of the little ones, that little ones were entrusted to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa in the home, and that grandma and grandpa in the home were commanded by God to pray with their children and read the Bible with their children. Psalm 78, Deuteronomy 6, uh, Joshua 24, Ephesians chapter 6. So in order to reach the world for Christ, we've got to worship Jesus in our homes. They connected, listen, the global Great Commission with family discipleship. And here's what they would say, if you're not gonna do family discipleship, maybe you're not even on board with the gospel. Maybe you're not even on board with the Great Commission because reaching the world for Christ starts at home. Let's fast forward, let's go to the uh, Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. This is the Italian prophet. It's Malachi, I know. 400 BC, God is not going to give any more scripture for 400 years. And this is the way God concludes this chapter of Revelation, Malachi 4.4. He says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else... I'll come and strike the land with a curse, the end. My Jewish friends have maps now, like in their book, like that's the end. That's a horrible ending, right? I mean, it's like it begs for more. In fact, it kind of says God's about to do something amazing. He's gonna send a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. He's gonna turn the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers. And God's whole system of blessing His people is connected to the heart connection in the home. It's connected to the parent's heart being turned to the child. Now, here's something that blew me away. One of my mentors, Richard Ross, showed me this in God's Word. This is how the Old Testament ends. It's exactly how the New Testament begins. The link between the Testaments is the turning of the father's heart, the parent's heart principally to the children. I want you to imagine you're going to make a movie of the New Testament. You're going to make a a documentary, a TV show. Every single event in the New Testament is going to be in your movie. You understand? Every event is in your movie, what is the first scene of your movie? First thing that happens in the New Testament, go. Genealogy. Genealogy. Partial credit. If we flip the page and go to Matthew 1, I'm going to find a genealogy. But I'm looking for an event in the New Testament. John the Baptist, warmer, Rita, warmer, warmer, warmer. Oh, birth of Christ, colder, colder. An angel, warm, warm ding, 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 ding. Okay, your screen is dark. The lights go up. Old man Zechariah. Married to Elizabeth, and an angel appears to him. Gabriel appears to him. Gabriel speaks the words of God to him. Gabriel's words to Zechariah are the first words of divine revelation since Malachi chapter 4. So, I'm going to cut the 400 years out Okay? Because this is where God leaves off, and that's where he's going to start up. So I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He'll turn the hearts of fathers to their children, hearts of children to their fathers. Now the angel Gabriel speaks to Zechariah about John the Baptist, who's going to be growing in his wife's womb. Many of the people of Israel, will he, John the Baptist soon growing in your wife's womb, will he bring back to the Lord their God? And he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Is this sounding familiar? God's picking up right where He left off. Now, what's John going to do? He's going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous in order to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If you've been around church, you know that God sent John to get the people ready for Jesus, right? He did it two ways. We only talk about one of them. One, He pleaded with people to turn from disobedience to righteousness, repent of your sins. That makes sense, right? humble yourself before God, prepare for Messiah. That sounds pretty good. The other thing he did is he pleaded with fathers to turn their hearts to their children. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. First one, that's pretty Sunday schooly. I got that. What does this have to do with getting people ready for Jesus? Well, you see, when the hearts of parents are turned to their kids, hearts of kids are turned to their parents, everybody's heart's also soft toward Father God, seeking to express His love for us through His Son, Jesus. But if the hearts of parents are hard to the kids, hearts of kids hard to the parents, everybody's heart's also hard toward whom? Father God, seeking to express his love for us through his son Jesus. How many of you want the hearts of your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, nephews prepared for Messiah? Ask God to turn your heart to them. Ask God to make it the number one mission of your life to help your children safely home to their father in heaven. Let's talk about Jesus and His ministry to kids. Have you ever seen the, um, the watercolor picture of Jesus and the little children? Right? That was a really nice pose. It's a, they put that in church bathrooms, that picture, a lot. I don't know why that is. I think that's weird. But let me read you the real history of what happened. This is Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have Him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to Me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. First thing I want you to see Jesus is not a married man, right? He's a single man. He's also not a parent, biological parent. He doesn't have biological children. Okay, making sure. Single guy, no kids. Where's his heart? With the kids. Friends, this message I'm sharing with you, this is all hands on deck. This is not people who just have biological children. All of us have little ones in our sphere of influence, right? I also want you to notice Jesus' emotions here. Oh, real quick on that. I've had some Christian friends say to me, you know, I don't like kids very much. <laughs> to which I've been like, repent. <laughs> what an unchristlike like heart. Now, you might say, I'm no good with kids. That's different. But to not love them, right? The Lord loved them. But look at his emotions here. Now, when, when Jesus, you know, in the watercolor, is he smiling, Jesus? Yeah, he's with the kiddos. He's really looking good. But um, his emotions here, though, with the disciples is different. Scripture says he's indignant. Why is he indignant? Why is he righteously upset? Well, because he understands that his ministry begins with the little ones and the disciples are getting in the way of his ministry to the little ones. Now, I'm going to toss another scripture in here, one that I didn't plan on talking about. But this this word, indignant, is an unusual word in the New Testament. The next time we find it is the day after Palm Sunday. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, Hosanna to the Son of David. The next day, He goes back into Jerusalem to begin His How to Win Friends and Influence People tour by uh, tearing through the temple and turning over all the tables of the money moneychairs. Now, one would think that the Pharisees would be indignant, but they're not mentioned. The next thing that happens is the blind and the lame come into the temple courts. They come into an area that they weren't allowed to come into by Jewish law. You couldn't come into this area with any physical Problems. You had to be physically perfect to come into this area. Now, in our 21st century thinking, we've, we view that as pretty horrible, right? A person uh, who, who lost a limb can't come to church, if you will. It was actually a gospel message. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Only he with clean hands and a pure heart. Who can go to heaven? Only the perfect person. Where's that leave you? Where's that leave me? Out. We need a savior. Sermon for another day. The blind and the lame come in. Scripture says Jesus healed them all. Pharisees, not mentioned. I'm sure they're not happy, but they're not mentioned. Then the kids come in. And the kids start singing to Jesus. And the scripture then says, and the Pharisees were indignant. Jesus is indignant because the kids are kept away. The Pharisees are indignant because the kids are coming in. They say to Jesus, do you hear what these little ones are saying? Jesus says, yeah. Yeah. Have you not read that out of the mouths of infants and babes, God's called forth praise? Now, I had a friend in Malaysia, my pastor friend, and he said, Rob, have you ever gone back to the Old Testament to see why God calls forth praise from children? I said, no. He said, you should. I said, I will. (laughs) Let me ask you, why do you think, like what would be your, your first instinct as to why God calls forth praise from children and babes? First instinct is what? Yeah yeah yeah, innocence there. The um we know the Lord likes a childlike faith, right? So the Lord Jesus must really like it when children worship him with a childlike faith. But that's not what it says. You wanna know, you know why God calls forth praise from children? Psalm 8. 1 and 2. O Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have called forth praise from children and infants to silence your enemy and the avenger. I'm going to say that again. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've called forth praise from children and infants to silence the enemy and the avenger. Amen. I can't explain all that to you, but I'll tell you what I think it means. Something happens in the spiritual realm when kids worship Christ that it shuts the mouth of the devil and the demons. Amen. How many of you would like the mouth of the devil and the demons shut in your house and in your church? Amen. So what can you do to make that happen? Get the kids singing. Don't kick them out of here, especially and boy, start singing in your house. All right, sermon for another time. Here we go. That was bonus, totally free. (laughs) Let's go to the book of Acts. The early church, the early church launched with this multi-generational vision. The, The followers of Jesus together are together on the day of Pentecost. It's not just the disciples. Mary's there. Jesus' younger brothers are there. Did you know Mark 6 tells us that Jesus had four younger brothers and at least two younger sisters? He was the oldest of at least seven. Like, I didn't know that. Go to Mark 6. It lists his brothers' names and all that stuff. James is there at the day of Pentecost. James is Jesus' little brother. James becomes a pastor. James writes the book of James. I like thinking about James and actually all of Jesus' little siblings. James came to the point in his life where he became completely convinced that his big brother was God. try that on for size, right? You're like, yeah, he, he was a really good kid. I don't ever remember him doing anything wrong, actually. But Jesus' family had some struggles along the way, right, understanding exactly who he was. But okay, so the, the, the followers of Jesus are there. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They, um, they, they start going out and preaching the gospel in all these different languages, and then Peter wraps it up with the church's first evangelistic sermon, His opening point was, God sent the Messiah, and you killed him. That was his warm-up the crowd intro. (laughs) The Holy Spirit rushes in, and they're cut to the heart, and they said, then what must we do to be saved? Peter replies, Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Friends, look, this is the three, right from the launch of the early church, they understood it was a threefold move of the gospel. You, your kids in the world. You, your kids in the world. You, your kids in the world. 20th century Christianity, we cut out the middle piece. Sermons all over the place. Two big points. Get right with God through Christ. Go out and make a difference somewhere. I like both those points. I got no problem with them. But you see, we skipped the middle piece. Get right with God through Christ. Now, honor your parents. Are you a married person? The soul of your spouse is your most important ministry. Has God blessed you with children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews? Go and make disciples, beginning with the souls of the little ones. And then as a family, would you please volunteer in our church and go out and do something good? You see, God created the church and the family to partner together like two pedals on a bike. 20th century, we took our foot off the family pedal. So, we're pedaling the church pedal. (laughs) Trying to go as fast as we can, wobbling all over the place, exhausted, thinking that this is the only building that counts when it comes to advancing the gospel. And what the Lord is doing all over the world right now is He's awakening His people to the biblical methodology of advancing the gospel, which is a partnership between the church and the home. Just a reminder the deep dive on this conversation is in this book, Visionary Church. I'm just hitting the high points um, and that website again, where I've got the outlines, the PowerPoints, everything you need, visionaryfam.com worldview. Final scripture, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. The apostle John, based on everything we know, was not married and didn't have children. Most of the disciples were. But he wasn't. So he's not writing of biological children. He's writing of perhaps those he's discipled, those he's shepherded in the faith, who he views as his spiritual children. But what a principle for Christian parents and grandparents. There is nothing better than when our own kids are following Jesus. Now, the other side of this is also true no greater sorrow for a Christian parent or grandparent when one of our kids is far from God. And you know, we do these surveys in churches all over the country. Two thirds of empty nest parents, two-thirds of parents of adult children in the church have at least one child far from God. It's a a big majority. But you know, we we don't talk about it very much. The sadness is overwhelming. The guilt can be overwhelming. You also come to church and you see all the other happy people. If that's your situation, you've got that son or daughter, grandson or granddaughter uh, far from God, let me encourage you, it's never too late. And when I say it's never too late, I mean it's never too late for God to use you to make a spiritual impact in that child's life. You see, listen, you, you're the key asset for that 25, 35, 45 year old son or daughter. Nobody loves them more than you. Nobody's praying harder for them than you. So you know what Satan and the demons wanna do? Get you out of the picture. You're the key ingredient. You're the tip of the spear. So you're gonna say, Lord, I am all in on this lifelong mission of doing everything I can to point my kids to Christ. Through this quick power walk, does it make more sense to you why Satan and the demons attack your family so ferociously? Because what happens in my little messed up house and your little messed up house is directly connected to the advance of the gospel. It's the base, and they know to strike the base. Lord, all of us are really struggling. We, we all fall short just personally in our walk with you and every one of our families has got its full share of problems. God, our heart's desire is that you would help us live for Christ at home so that we can overflow to our church and our community and our culture and the world I thank you for ifi and i pray that the lessons that you've taught us today and the convictions that you brought about in our hearts today would take root and that we would take action on them for your glory and i pray this in jesus name amen dr rob reno during the 2022
1: ifi worldview conference at the village church of barrington to find out more about dr reno and his work Go to visionaryfam.com and go to illinoisfamily.org to order free copies of the IFI 2022 Illinois Primary Nonpartisan Voter Guide. The guide lets you know where the candidates stand on life, education, and other key issues support the work at Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible, and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless.
0: For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback@ifiaction.org. at